Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. As ever, I am your host, Connor Clancy. And joining me this week are my trusty duo, Vito Doria and Nicholas Carroll. Vito, welcome back. How's everything? Yeah, all good, Connor. Um, I'm fascinated to see how this new time slot for the podcast goes. But as always, plenty of cultural discussion and plenty of good things to talk about. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be, should be a good week's recording. Nick, it's good to have you back as well. Thank you, Connor. Good to be back. Into six matches undefeated. It's a, just an amazing, <laughs> amazing form on the field, so it's good to talk about just how good they're going. Oh, we will get to Inter, don't you worry. Um, Vito did actually touch on the new time slot for... Might not affect the audio subscribers too much, but just for the, those of you who tune in every week on the live stream on YouTube... We are going to be recording at 23.30 CET on a Sunday night from now on going forward, just because we're going to be doing two podcasts a week, and the second of those will be coming out after the European Games on a, what Thursday or Friday, and that will be done with Dov Schiavone taking my place as host. So it's not bad news. You don't have to wait too long to get your cultural chat fix, and you're getting an extra bonus podcast during the week as well. So it's win-win all round. Um, guys, I don't care what you want to talk about first because there's only one place to go, and that is to Napoli. They smashed Lazio 4-1. And to be completely honest, I could spend an hour talking about this game just sitting here by myself, but that wouldn't be too much fun. I've got down a couple of notes here. Incredible Insignia, Joyous Jorginho, Magic Mertens, and Super Sarri's bros are still top. Vito, do you want to start with the praise for Napoli? Napoli, although they didn't play their best football in the first half, in the second half they showed their true colours and they showed why we tend to make a big fuss about them as well as countless others out there. 
Napoli have become famous for the possession football and they showed great confidence, particularly in that second half. And uh, as evidenced by the fourth goal that they scored, uh, I think it just goes to show how great the interplay is and how well they do in tight areas. So it's a real confidence booster for them. And it's another great thing to see that they're beating a team that's also competing for European spots. They haven't just demolished the team that's just making the numbers or fighting relegation. Yeah, and once again, they did it from a trailing position. Jax, we were worried. We actually discussed you post or pre-pod. We were worried that you might not get to the new time slot, but welcome along. It's good to see you. We will get to Inter later. Don't you worry. Um, they'll be in the second half of the pod. Nick, Vito kind of summed it up nicely. It was good to see them beat a team that wasn't one of these lesser teams. And it's by the same scoreline that they demolished Lazio earlier on in the season. Uh, they did it coming from behind, as I said. They've picked up more points coming from behind than anyone else in Serie A. I think that was true two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and we discussed that. But what more can we say about them that we haven't already said? Have we learned anything new this week, or is it just them further reinforcing what we thought they were capable of? Yeah, I think so. I think they're just continually pro- proving to be a, a professional outfit that can, that, that deserves to win a Scudetto, whether or not they will or not is another question. But um, to, the, to falling behind, they've actually conceded first at home 42% of the time and they've scored first 42% of the time, So, um, which is weird that it's at home because they're much better away. Um, but that just shows their their mentality to be able to fall behind that often. That's actually quite a big number and still always just manage to hold their stuff together and get back into the game. And then just, it seems like once they're even or once they're one ahead, then they just put another gear into, into it and then leave the other team behind. But no, they're, um, I I mean, you know, we've, we've spoken about almost every facet of their game, um, yeah, um, to to add on to what you're saying in, with Insigne, um, I, I almost felt a bit bad for him because he did everything except score in that match. Uh, the poor guy, but um, yeah, no, it was incredible. Um, Jorginho is just um, amazing. He was um, that ball for Catalan, I believe it was. Was oh, just, that was um, that pass right? But if if we're gonna talk about that goal, there's a there's a camera angle from behind the goal that shows just why Jose Callahan is so underrated because the ball is coming at incredible speed just right over his shoulder and dropping over his head and he takes his eye off the ball for a second to look towards goal at Thomas Strakosha to see where he is and without missing a beat he looks back knows exactly where the ball is coming and just t- kills it dead with his first touch and then obviously the finish there was never going to be any any mistake there but just so um, calmly as well, like that goal in itself just shows so much to Napoli's game. You can just dissect that and analyze every little part of it. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, even it, it, it came from a free kick in on the halfway line, which Koulibaly was trying, Koulibaly was trying to play. So Koulibaly moved it forward and there was a push the back. And then they, they, it was like they were trying to take this one route and then thought, okay, if you're blocking off that one, we'll just do this. Give it to Jorginho and he'll smack it long and play it straight into the path of Callahan. But that wasn't even the best goal of the game. Vito, I'm sure you've seen the videos the other ends of that that fourth goal, which was just magic. 
I don't think we'll do it justice by describing it as an audio feature, but do you want to give it your best shot? <laughs> well, yeah, again, words won't do it justice, but as I mentioned earlier, it epitomised the interplay of uh, Napoli, just the close passing. So, yeah, just on the left wing or left flank, they were facing all those Lazio players. They still managed to pass around it. Then came uh, Jorginho's pass to Zielinski. Zielinski performed some nice dribbling skills on the left. And then that neatly weighted pass to Mertens, who gave it the softest of touches just to deflect the ball in. It just they just make it look effortless. And it is a team like Napoli that makes Serie A watching uh, worthwhile. So yeah, if obviously if there's one team you really have to watch, it's Napoli and they're deservedly leading the Scudetto race. So um so, hopefully yeah. there's more for it hopefully in the future. Yeah, I, I said I can't remember if it was on my Twitter or Facebook page, but if there's any justice in football at all. Surely this Napoli side will go, in, go on to lift the Scudetto. But, Vito, you wanted to give Mario Ruiz some credit, and I'm with you on that because he played quite well. Um, the third goal, I think it was, was almost his. I thought it was his until the replay showed it was actually Zielinski who got the last touch. But what impressed you so much about his game? Because he's been kind of their weak link since uh, Gulam got injured. Mm. He's one of Sarri's lieutenants. They've known each other since they were at Empoli, and he was a top performer for them when he was at Empoli. And now he's in the team only because Gulam has had that knee injury. But in this particular game, I saw him play with greater confidence than he has had in uh, in previous games. Uh, he was making those surging runs. His ball use was very good. And for that third goal, Zielinski got the final touch, but uh, for some reason, the goal still credited to Murray Rui. So, um, no, I was very impressed with his running, probably a little bit similar to what Gulam would do at his best, but I just thought for someone who arrived from Roma as a bench warmer, I think he's now finally settling into the Parteno Pay squad. Pay squad. Yeah, the, the timing of that performance was so important as well because obviously they got worse news about Fauci Gulam's injuries. I think he's done something to his kneecap and he could be out for a lot longer um, to the point where Napoli will probably need to look to get a new first-choice left-back, really. Um, Nick, you are understandably a huge fan of Marek Kamsik, but he was taken off earlier than usual this week. I'm not going to criticise him. Instead, I'm going to compliment the guy who came in for him, which is which was and is always Peter Zielinski. He was one of the factors in changing this game, and he has been such an important player for them coming off the bench every single week. He is their 12th man. Uh, do you want to give him some credit? Yeah, for sure. He's, um, you know, I spoke about professionalism before, and he, at his age, he is so uh, wise beyond his years. Um, I think he's still 23 years old. Um, every he, he's one of these players. He Obviously, we all know how talented he is and how much potential he has, but he's never, he's never been sour or never showed any kind of, you know, frustration or anger at, you know, constantly not starting matches and coming on from the bench. He's just happy to contribute to the, to the team. And that in itself as a, as a mentality aspect is, I love to see that in young players. 
Um, but yeah, when he comes on, you know, it's generally been, you know, 70th minute or so. Um, he provides a bit of added energy, spark, enthusiasm, particularly going forward. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that goal that you guys spoke about just before, um, that showed that perfectly, just how much he can add. So he, he's almost the perfect kind of complement to, to, to take um, Ham Six's place. Um, particularly with that sub, um, Ham Six very much that controlling kind of aspect, but Zielinski just has that bit more of a, a spark, I guess you could say. So uh, particularly in, in the later aspects of the game, he really, it, it kind of works actually for me um, as opposed to him starting where he can kind of take advantage of some tiring players and some fatigue going on. So for now it's actually working perfectly and he's just, yeah, he's a constant professional. He's consistent. Uh, whether he's scoring or not, he's always there or thereabouts, um, providing a danger to the opposition in the final third. So, uh, yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna. I'm I'm sure Napoli are looking at him to be the future, the future to lead their midfield forward. So, I'm sure they'll be hoping to to keep him for a few years to come. Yeah, I, I kept popping up on screen there. Sorry, viewers, I'm taking you away from Nick. But no, that's. Completely right. It's strange for a substitute to be happy in his role, given that he never starts, but he is still such an important player for them. It's a weird little, almost a contradiction. Uh, Jorginho's getting a lot of love in the comments. Um, Jack's, what a ball, Jorginho, oh my God. Imran Khan, Jorginho is the most underrated midfielder. Jorginho equals Pirlo with athleticism, (laughs) which I quite like. Um, and CM Fox is back. Welcome back, but we don't welcome your pessimism. Napoli are idealists. Juve are pragmatists. They'll wear Napoli down like the machine they are and take the Scudetto once again. Come on, CM Fox. Oh, CM Fox, come on. Live a little. Last time you were here, you got, you, you got bullied by your fellow commenters there. So that's a brave move to step out of line like that so early on. Vito, if we're, we can touch on Lazio then briefly before we move on from this. Are we happy to just write this off as one of those days where it didn't quite work? Because they were quite good in the first half for a while. Or is their recent form a bit of a crisis that should be looked at a little bit deeper? I reckon it needs to be looked at deeper. Although Napoli are a bogey team for Lazio, um, probably in the last two to three weeks, I think there's been a few cracks emerging in Lazio's game. And... I've been a big fan of the way Lazio have been playing this season, but uh, if there's one particular weakness of the game, it's the quality of the individual defenders. And that was evidenced by Wallace scoring the own goal to put Napoli 2-1 up. I think he's a great liability to the team. And in the summer, um, depending on where Lazio finish in the table, they need to find a better defender than him. And also... Yeah, Stefan uh, Radu, he's not a fast player. So, yeah, I reckon it's that back line that needs f- fixing in general and Stefan De Vry could go. So if Lazio get rid of him or he gets sold, I think that's going to leave a lot more problems in the back line. We have spent long enough on this game, I think, so we will move on. I forgot to say at the top of the show, we do have a, another exciting competition for you listeners and readers of Forza Italian Football. We will get to that after this next game. Uh, Fiorentina nil, Juventus 2. 
kind of standard practice, really. But one thing that I, I kind of need to hold my hands up here, I've criticized Federico Bernardeschi a lot in recent weeks, but he delivered on his return to the Artemio Franchi veto. Is this a sign of maturation from him or was he just an extremely fired up player returning to his former club? I reckon it's a bit of both, but I do see a bit of maturity on his part. It was a well-hit free kick by him to open the scoring. And Fiorentina also had the chances to score, but he was the one that took it, put Juve ahead, and that's uh, what's needed. You need to get the points on the board, and Juve are good at that, just getting the points consistently without being too flashy. And it is important for Bernardeschi to perform because – Without Juan Cuadrado and without Douglas Costa, he's really needed to provide some creativity in the wide areas. So um, hopefully, for his sake at least, he can maintain that form. There was, of course, a controversial incident there. Um, Jax has pointed it out kindly. Fiorentina should have gotten that penalty, which they undoubtedly should have. We're not going to talk about that because refereeing decisions have become a bit of a theme on here in recent weeks, which I'm... I don't really like discussing, but Vito, you've been kind to Marcus Portiello there by describing that free kick as well taken because it was quite close to the middle of the goal and any competent goalkeeper in the top two tiers of Italian football should be saving that without a problem. But I I take your overall point that Bernardeschi was quite impressive. Um, Nick, Gonzalo Higuain scored again and I'm sure I wasn't alone in thinking as soon as he got through that oh this is just going to kill the game off because that is what he does when he's at his best and worryingly enough for Tottenham Hotspur fans he is coming into his best form of the season is it's obviously a good thing for Juventus but will he be able to balance playing in Serie A and the Champions League going forward or will he be sacrificed in one of those competitions yeah uh, Max Allegri has really got his um his work cut out in the next few weeks to see how he balances this squad. And I mean, I, I guess it's the same with um, the whole Bernadeschi. Uh, I guess he's actually coming into form at the right time that he provides that extra depth because I'm sure he's going to be used a lot more in these coming weeks between the Champions League and um, Serie A. So yeah, Higuain, he's, um, he's hitting it at the right time. It's, uh, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that uh, Tottenham Tottenham uh, clash. Yeah. I think that's it's going to be quite a good one. Um, you know, two of the top strikers in the world. So um, I'm not sure what you're doing there, Connor. But um, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, he's coming into his form at the right time. Uh, yeah, if he can keep himself fit, then um, I'm sure he'll be able to handle it. It's just um, when the pressure really gets to him, whether he can. Um, he can provide at the, the high-pressure times is my big question. That's always been the question hanging over his head. And I, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know what you're referring <laughs> to, to be honest with you. You confused me. This, um, this oh, no, that was me. Just There was something in the way. Uh, right. Philip was commented saying, I am so pumped. Had me a bit confused. I forgot who he supported, but of course it's Inter. The Inter fans are out in force tonight, Nick, so I think we are going to have to discuss them in a bit of depth later on, which wasn't really planning on, but since so many of you are tuning in, I suppose I have to give in there. Um, Vito, what do you think? Do you think Juve are just going to completely prioritise the Champions League this season? They probably should, given they've won six Serie A titles in a row. But 
they do have a squad that is capable of putting out two pretty impressive starting 11s and allowing them to compete on multiple fronts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I really hope Juventus do <clears throat> put their efforts into the Champions League. Unfortunately, they've lost more than their fair share of finals, so it would be great if they could redeem themselves, but I do also believe that maybe the window has closed, particularly for this crop of uh, Juve players. But we'll see what happens. I think they can beat uh, Tottenham and also... With the team they have, um, I think they still have enough individual quality available to still beat um, Spurs. If we're going to look ahead, so today is what, February 11th, between now and next this day next month, March 11th, Juventus have to play Spurs, Torino, Atalanta, Atalanta, Lazio, Spurs and Udinese. That's not the kindest of runs. Um, Atalanta have played them twice obviously one of those is the second leg of the Coppa Italia semi-final and is it fair to say that they could very easily lose a couple of points at least in that run Nick what do you think yeah uh, potentially I mean if Lazio has been a bit of a bogey team for them actually in recent games so if uh, I'm sure they'll be looking to get back into form quite quickly in time for that match. So um, they've actually had some good games recently, so it would be good to see them back. Uh, Atalanta haven't been at their best, but um, I'm sure they'll give it, they, they kind of at least give it a go with Juve. So, um, yeah, potentially we'll lose some points there, but it's, you know, you can't write, you can't write off any points with Juve. They're just so consistent in Serie A. So, um, I'm, if I was Napoli, I would not be resting on my laurels whatsoever. Um, <laughs> no, don't be counting those as dropped points because yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there's anything Juventus have thought of, it is exactly that. Do not expect them to drop points because they just don't do it. Um, again, Juventus's last five games of the season include Napoli at home and then away trips to Inter and Roma, which 
the end of the season is going to be amazing one way or another. If Even if Juve are on top, um, it's going to be exciting to see them go there because Inter and Roma would love nothing more than to spoil a Juventus title party, given what's happened in the last few years. And obviously the history there between Inter and Juve. Uh, we've had a couple of more comments just before we move on from this game. Uh, Patrick Galacci has said, Bernadeschi showed great character returning to Florence with the entire stadium on his back and managing to score. Viola players targeted him the entire game, but he kept a cool head and shipped away. And the beautifully cynical CM Fox has replied to that, saying that Fiorentina should have targeted him more, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. Um, right, guys, it's time to discuss this competition then, because I did allude to it earlier on in the podcast, but just weeks after the completion of the inaugural FIF Cup, which was a resounding success, except for Team FIF's performances, I'm sure you'll agree, we do have another competition for our listeners and readers as we team up with the guys over at Art of Football to celebrate the launch of their new Art of Italia collection. The winner of the competition will receive any one item from that collection, which can be seen through the post that's going to go up on ForzaItalianFootball.com sooner. As soon as this podcast is finished recording, basically. Entering is easy enough. There's going to be a quiz on the site and all you have to do is complete the quiz screenshot your score and send it to us on Twitter using the hashtag AOFquiz and of course tagging at Serie FFC. If you don't tag us and the hashtag, we're not going to see your entry. So make sure you do that or else your entry won't be counted. And you can't give out to us if you don't win the prize. The competition is going to close next Sunday evening at 11.30 Central European time, just as we go live to record the podcast and the winner will be announced on next week's podcast. So, Best of luck to everyone. I've tried that quiz myself already um, in the testing stages, and I did not do well. I really did not do well. Um, there's only 10 questions, so you guys should be aiming to do better than me anyway and at least get half of them right. But, Nick, I'm interested to see how you get on in that quiz. So we'll move on to... I was going to go to Ferrara, but since there's so many Inter fans here in the comments, I think we will go to Inter. First, uh, they beat Bologna 2-1. Their first win since the 3rd of December. Nick, do you want to just breathe a sigh of relief? I'll just take a nice quick sip from my mug. <laughs> well, while you do that, it was very much a case of no Mario Cardi, no problem for them. And Caramo is obviously the saviour of Inter, the next Lionel Messi and the best player to ever grace the turf at the San Siro. Or at least that's what Inter fans on Twitter seem to be saying, Nick. Um, do you want to bring them back down to Earth? Don't start with this shit. <laughs> Honestly. God, the poor kid's going to be gone next week. All right. Um, yeah. Um, should I speak about the game or Caramel? Uh, uh, sorry, 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 sorry. Just, just to show you how great this is, the comments are already lit up with talk of the Inter being dark horses for the Scudetto this season. Um, Guys, stop. Stop. Khalid, calm yourself down. You're getting too carried away. Imran Khan is taking care of that argument first. Actually, they're all ganging up on him, so we don't need to address that. Um, one of the responses <laughs> is Benevento for Europe too, which is good. Right, Nick, um, start on the game and then we'll go into Caramel. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, I'm not going to say into a great because they weren't, but all, all they needed to do, um, I went into the match, I was with my cousin and I said, I don't really care how they play. They just need the three points today. 
um, they need the confidence, they need the belief back, and that's what they got. So, um, to be honest, um, not a great deal to to be positive about around the field with um, Perisic still not quite there. Um, he's he's there and thereabouts. He's in the positions. He's still doing a good defensive role, um, but he just um, he can't finish. I don't know what happened to him um, in midfield. I think uh, Borja Valero and Vecino were quite solid and I guess they laid the platform for a lot um, of controlling the match. But uh, Marcelo Brozovic, just um, a complete brat pest, just needs to leave. Um, oh, you're taking, you're taking Team Icardi here, I see. Interesting. No, no, this is, this is, this is irrelevant of Icardi's thing. This is okay. just... This is Brozovic continually, I don't know how, but getting starts in this um, team and then just doing nothing for, for 60 minutes, then he gets booed, rightly so, let's say. You know, I mean, you know, no one likes to see booing, but fans are going to do it, let's be honest, at that, at that level. And, mm-hmm. then to, and then to ironically clap them. He's entitled, I take the fans are entitled to boo him for being poor, but he is entitled to respond to that booing with applause because surely... From his point of view, he was saying, yeah, I'm going through a tough time, but support me. Don't boo me because that's not going to make anything better. No, but that's, that's, it's taken on. It's, it's a negative way. To, you're taking on the fans by doing that. Don't, don't be sarcastic to, to show that. If you want to show the fans what you're made of, do it on the field. Don't do it when you're leaving the pitch like a little brat. That's, and that's all he is. He has an attitude, attitude problem. Um, Anyway, I mean, back to more of the match. Um, but Rafinha, I thought when he came on, he provided a lot of spark, obviously. Um, very unlucky with the goal, I must say. Miranda, just uh, a brain explosion. I don't know what happened there. Just completely um, nuffed that ball. Um, so a, a little bit uh, unlucky to for Bologna to equalise. Um but no, otherwise, uh, Gel Cancelo was good. It's good to see him really emerging. Some of his touches are just so strong. So there are some things to be positive about. And then obviously, uh, Jan Karamo was just, um, he he really showed that, um, yeah, I mean, he took his opportunity. And that's the thing. that I think the biggest thing with Inter's wingers were they were bulletproof no matter how they performed. And Spalletti, kudos to him for actually having the balls to drop Antonio Condreva, and he um, he saw the rewards there. And, you know, with Caramo, it was amazing. Obviously, he did a lot, but he's still young, and the best compliment um, he can get is just to earn his starting position for the next week and keep Condreva on the bench and, you know, leave it at that for now. Nick, uh, we're going to talk about Caramo then for a minute. There will be a lot of people listening who haven't seen too much of him. I haven't seen too much of him. Tell us what he's all about because he's just this breakthrough kid. And a lot of people's um, knowledge of him will be based on Inter fans overreacting online and fans of other clubs subsequently underestimating his ability because they want to annoy the Inter fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's had a, a few appearances from the bench, just brief things mainly. Um, he's, uh, he's, I think it's his fresh, French nationality, but he's actually born in the Ivory Coast. Um, he came uh, to Inter from KN in the in Ligue 1. Um, he actually played quite a few games for them. But, yeah, he's obviously uh, young, still 19 years of age. He's um, more so a winger forward slash forward. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if anyone saw him yesterday, it's he's very much a very good on the ball, great skill, dribbling skill and ability. Um, and yeah, it's still still very young, and that's the thing we, we can't get to because even even in last night's game, there were some areas where he probably didn't make the right decision. So he's still got a lot of maturing to go in the general bank game play. But no, he's um, a lot of promise. Uh, uh, still a long way to go, but let's you know keep the feet grounded. Let him develop. You know he's he's in any normal circumstance he probably shouldn't be starting for Inter. It's only purely because uh, the Nerazzurri were in a situation where uh, there needed to be some kind of repercussions for that kind of bad performances from the wingers. So yeah, uh, I'm going to bring Vito back in here. Vito, we've we've said in recent weeks that Kondreva should be dropped. There's a lot of talk now that Perisic should be dropped, uh, Brozovic should be dropped. Who do they play? Should Rafinha be starting uh, with Caramo as well in the team? How do you think they should be lining up if all of these players are underperforming? Well, Caramo definitely should start for me because Kandreva has been that woeful. Uh, Rafinha should start as well because he does add a bit more creativity in the middle of the park. And on the left there, that's probably where the concern is. If uh, Maru Icardi comes back from his injury, probably Edda could play on that left side instead of Perisic, and then you start Icardi up front because Edda can play on the left side of, of the attack, and uh, sometimes that's what he did when he was playing at Sampdoria. Uh, Sinisa Mihalovic had a front three of Gabbiadini, Okaka, and Edda on the left, and Edda was scoring quite a few goals and still working tirelessly on that left side. So that's another option Spalletti should consider. Vito, I think you might have looked at my running order because I did want to squeeze Adair in, but the way that conversation was going, I was unsure as to how I was going to do it and he was about to get left out. But he's quite underrated, I think. And I don't think Inter fans quite appreciate the impact that he can play there. Nick, do you want to speak for Adair? Should he be playing more regularly or is he just not at that level? It's 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 hard because with Akadi, obviously, it's very hard for him to find a spot. But he is flexible, and with with the way um, both Kondreva and Perisic are playing, I'm sure there's a way to fit him in at the moment. Um, particularly even using Karamo possibly because he has in the past played on the left as well. He's played in the left and the right, and in that main striker position. So. With him and Ider, that provides quite a bit of flexibility to play around Icardi. So I don't think there's any reason why Spalletti can't possibly um, experiment with those combinations, particularly if Perisic, you know, isn't at his best. And if he wants to allow Kondreva to have another go in a few weeks' time, whatever it might be, you know, I, I don't think it's probably unrealistic to think that Kondreva is not going to come back into the team in the next few weeks I think it was more a wake-up call more than anything but um, the, the more these guys perform the better it's going to be for the team as a whole and their results because they're actually placing pressure and making Spalletti actually make that decision whether okay they are out and out wingers that that's pretty much their rightful positions but if they're not performing then he has every right to experiment and hopefully for Inter fans and for the club that'll make the team as a whole kind of perform, lift their level a bit, because that's 
I think that's one of the main problems. Andreva and Perisic just have no competition in their own squad, so they just get complacent. And then we've seen Perisic just again last night, just particularly in that in the box, just a shadow of what he was doing earlier in the season. Now, the big take from this game for me is that Inter won because Borja Valero has grown his beard back. He shaved it off and was terrible. Now he's grown it back and Inter are winning. It's not a coincidence. The man is majestic, but. You've mentioned Perisic, Brozovic and Icardi. They are in, involved in a triangle of hatred in the Inter dressing room at the moment. And listeners might remember we discussed, I think it was on deadline day or a couple of days before it, Mero Icardi put up a tweet and an Instagram post saying, ciao, ciao. And Twitter went into meltdown thinking that Icardi was leaving. That tweet was actually aimed at Brozovic because Brozovic and Icardi hate each other. And... Brozovic was supposed to be leaving on deadline day, but Spalletti then blocked the move. And now they have to awkwardly play on the same team. And I think there was something about Mario Icardi unfollowing Brozovic on Instagram, which pissed off. But it annoyed uh, Ivan Perisic because he is a compatriot of Brozovic and he decided to take Brozovic aside. And now he's not friends with Marito anymore. It's all very sad, Nick, isn't it? Do you think they'll ever move on from this? Um, I just want to <laughs> emphasize the fact that we're speaking about people unfriending other people on Instagram. Like, yeah, if that doesn't sound ridiculous aware. enough, that just shows how petty it is. So I really it's just, unbelievable. honestly, guys, get it together. Just, but These in all seriousness, Brozovic needs to go. That. The quicker Brozovic leaves that team, the, I'm, I'm sh- 100% sure the team environment will improve. So he's just a pest. He's a brat. He's a little shit that just needs to go. He All words needs to. that could be applied to Mario Icardi as well and probably more appropriate to the Argentine uh, given <laughs> his track record. Given his track record, I think that's fair to say. Poor epic Brozo. He just wants to come in and work hard and get a result for his team. Mero is all about himself, Nick. You need to, you need to wake up to the facts. Uh, someone who is very awake to the facts at the moment in Serie A is Gennaro Gattuso because he has turned Milan around to an extent and he says that his team don't deserve to be complimented, which you can see where he's coming from. He's keeping their heads on the ground. And they won again. It was only against Spal, granted, but Milan are kind of ticking along nicely enough, given how things were before Gattuso took over. Uh, Patrick Catrone was probably the standout of this game. He scored twice. Vito, do you think he's proving that he should be starting every week as Milan striker? Without a doubt in my mind, Kalinic needs to stay away from that team. I mean, he got gifted so many chances and really meritocracy needs to prevail here. And... Cutrone with his goals and just his overall play too. He clearly deserves to be in that team. If uh, if Milan want to keep going up the table and also keep going further into Europe, uh, Cutrone is a must. And even if Cutrone doesn't start, uh, Andre Silva should be given more chances. But for me, I'm glad that Kalinic was ruled out. It's not nice to wish injuries upon anyone, but once Kalinic is out of the team... AC Milan look much better, especially in the front third of the get, of the pitch. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that they look a lot stronger without Kalinic. And I'm just constantly impressed by Cutrone. And his two goals, they weren't anything special, but the fact that he was there is not something that you'd expect from a young striker. He's got this this way of sniffing out space as if he's been playing for 20 years and he's been a poacher his whole life. Um, sorry, one of the comments that's come in has made me laugh a little bit and I've lost my train of thought. It's from Khaled Ali, who was causing a bit of controversy in here earlier, but he says, Icardi is the worst captain ever, but Brozovic is brain dead. Um, yeah, kind of just the interdressing room for the moment, but back to Milan. Uh, Nick, Gattuso has fixed some, and I emphasise some, of Milan's problems, but obviously their problems are probably deeper than the starting 11 and what happens on the pitch. What are the issues that still need to be addressed, be it this season, in the summer, next season, in the next 10 years, what still needs to be resolved there? Um, to be honest, I, I think I'd take a different approach to this whole thing. Cause I'm not sure Gattuso has fix any problems per se so I'm not exactly sure well he's got them he's got their form he's improved their form which is something that you can't really deny yes but look I know I don't want to be a you know a a pessimist here and you know obviously as an Inter fan it probably doesn't come across well but just to keep things in reality and keep things grounded with the exception of Lazio their wins have come from against Crotone, Cagliari, well, they drew against Udinese and then they beat Spal. So um, they're not being world beaters at the moment. And uh, their game, to be honest, I don't see a big difference between what they were doing, the way they're playing, um, than they were under Montella. And look, I'm not saying Cattuso is doing a bad job. I'm just saying this, I see it more as the team evolving um, growing combinations because you know they were always creating chances, just not finishing them. Um, now it seems like I mean the the match against Spal kind of illustrates that perfectly that they're actually finishing um, uh, chances now. Chances, which, you know, which, you know, probably better than Um Your mic just went really weird there on my end. I'm not sure if that's across everyone else's, but if maybe just like unplug it and plug it back in or something because that was horrendous. Uh, Vito, do you want to pick up where Nick left off? Um, do you feel similarly to him? I wasn't trying to say that Batuza has changed the world or anything, but I guess the problem under Montella was that they weren't beating these teams. Now they are. I won't say that Gattuso's revolutionized the team, but I do believe he has changed the team and he has put some influence in the team. Players like Chalkanoglu and Bonaventura have improved their form and they believe they've been getting fitter under Gattuso. Other players have said that the dressing room is in much better condition under Gattuso and they're playing with more confidence. As for tactics or uh, playing style, I still believe that Gattuso is getting this team to play with greater urgency. Uh, There's a little bit more fluidity too. And also, yeah, they're not changing formation or even changing the starting lineup too often. It's often this 4-3-3 formation, and Gattuso hasn't deviated from that. Whereas with Montella, you weren't sure if he was playing 3-4-3, 3-5-2, 3-4-2-1 or whatever, and he was always rotating the lineup. So, 
at least we've got tools or you get some stability, although there's still plenty of ground to be made up from this end. One thing, if we're going to look ahead to big tests coming up, there's a Milan derby not too long away. I think it's the 4th of, that could be backwards. It's either the 4th of March or the 3rd of April, uh, which is going to be extremely interesting. Nick, are you, would you be nervous about that given the Inter's recent run and Milan's almost resurgence? Mate, I'm, I was nervous when we played Spal, so... <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so. Big Alberto Pulaski punished you. <laughs> I don't, don't know what else to say. <laughs> oh, you, you drew with Atalanta's B team, as we've established yeah. in recent weeks. It's, it wasn't great. Um, so, yeah, the obvious thing is, are, would you go as far as to say that you're expecting to lose that? No, um, no, I don't think so. I think it'll be quite a good match, a close match. Um, you know, the Milan derby is even irrelevant of form. It, it, you know, a lot of the times it just throws up something completely obscure and unexpected. So, um, no, it'll be a good one. It's um, it, It'll be interesting to see with Milan now. You know, I'd, I'd say... Nick's fallen off the face of the earth again, I think. Uh, Vito, one of the comments has come in to say, so Milan will win the Europa League, which is absolutely ridiculous, guys. Come on. That's Atalanta's. Um, what would you think then, looking ahead to the Milan derby? It's still quite some way away yet, and a lot of things can change between now and then, but Milan are probably the team in better shape at the moment anyway. I would think so too. The main reason is that it's the problem with the the creativity or lack of creativity on Inter's part. If uh, Inter can sort out their wingers, they can get back into form. And also Rafinha gets better integrated into the team. Uh, that would be great on their part. But I think Milan's got more creative weapons going forward. So I reckon with Bonaventura, Chalkanoglu and Suso, I think they can still do better than, say, Rafinha, Borja Valera and Caramo. All right. Um, Nick, we'll try to bring you back in. Roma beat Benevento. Uh, do you want to take the Benevento side on this? Because they went 1-0 up, surprisingly. And from then, it was an unfortunate case of Roma just kind of flexing their muscle and beating off the, the minnows. Uh, what is there to say about Benevento? They look like they're so close to being a decent team, but results suggest otherwise yeah um, there's not much to say is there um, it's you know we, we try to provide some kind of optimism when they got some points here and there but uh, look they're just not at the standard we I'm sure we all know and accept that so it'd be good to see them get a few points here and there to to finish off the season and I'm sure they'll be better for it give City a, City B a good go next season and then um just keep building the team and, you know, maybe in the future they can, you know, really give Serie A a shot. But I think it's clearly too early for them at the moment. So they can just they can just take the experience as a club and try and, you know, build some infrastructure behind that and um, just try and take the positives where they come. Yeah, Frozenone are probably the model to follow uh, based on their performance this season. They looked cut adrift when they were in Serie A, but now they look like they're on their way back up. Fido, I know you watched this game. 
along with me. Um, Shengiz Under was phenomenal, wasn't he? Uh, I've seen him described in recent weeks online as a Turkish Aidan McGeady, which I'm sure will ring true for a lot of Irish and probably Scottish listeners as well, because it's not a complimentary comparison. But he was brilliant tonight, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, uh, although it was beneficial, at least Under did what McGeady didn't do often enough in his career, and that's get down to business. <laughs> Under scored two Never. goals and provided an assist. Yeah, he yeah. was he was really impressive. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just thinking about how annoyed Aidan McGeady makes me now. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, and I reckon that was one of the real differences because Benevento looked good in the first 15, 20 minutes, and uh, even uh, uh, Christian Pugioni had to make about four top saves in that first half to stop Roma. But uh, in the second half, uh, the Giallo Rossi looked like an inspired team. There were some patches where they slowed things down, but Onda was the real difference maker. And hopefully this was the breakthrough game for him and also a sign that he can actually adapt to Italian football despite being about 20 years old. Yeah, it's, it is strange how it seemed to take him so long for settling and now he's just really hit the ground running but probably a good time for him with the um, Champions League coming back now. Uh, speaking of which, we did, mention, we did mention Juventus playing Spurs a little bit earlier on. Uh, we won't spend too much time looking ahead at this, but Nick, given you spent some time in London and for no other reason, really, what, what do you make of this? Um, Juve favourites for the first leg, at least? Yeah, have to be at home. Um, I, I can't see them being beat at Juventus Stadium, we all know their record there. So um, I think the the thing is to get the victory there and then go to London and try and um, try and just consolidate there. Um, yeah, I, it's, I can't see them being beat, but I can also see Tottenham scraping a draw, which would make the return leg very interesting and a bit of an attacking kind of open match. So, um, yeah, I think Juve rightly favours but. Well, I reckon it'd be a good clash. And my next piece for the Forza Italian football website will be a preview of sorts for this game. And, well, it's interesting to see that an Italian team has been once again matched with an English side. Uh, Spurs are in good form, especially Harry Kane, but I think this would be another top test for Spurs. I mean, Italian tactical nous and organisation against, um, you know, the speed. And although Spurs are a good side in terms of organisation skill, but the way this season has gone, the Everton got crushed by Atalanta. And although Man City did demolish Napoli, uh, I wouldn't take too much out of that because Napoli still have their mind on the Scudetto. So I think this is a great chance for Italy to overcome the English once again in Europe and for the sake of Italian football and Serie A in particular, uh, hopefully the Bianconeri come up with the goods. Yeah, for the sake of Serie A, I hope Juventus go all the way to the final, forget about Serie A and Napoli just stroll to the Scudetto. Um, guys, we've basically come to the end. Obviously, there are other games in Europe this week, but that's probably the biggest of them. Um, just round out the rest of the Serie A results. Crotone Atalanta finished 1-1, a game that was played in, in a swimming pool. Sam beat Verona 2-0. Torino beat Udinese 2-0. Uh, Andrea Bellotti is back. 
Kievo lost at home to Genoa. Sorry, Vito. And Sassuolo Cagliari played out a thrilling nil-nil draw. Uh, there are two teams. Nobody that... deserved to win that game. <laughs> <laughs> no. Genoa won. Um, I'm with you. But I guess you could probably say that about any game Genoa play. Yeah. And, and you are Vito Doria, I guess. Guys, any Absolutely. other business before we wrap things up? No, we've covered the bases. So, yeah. Uh, Milan, Sampdoria next week. Uh, that should be a good clash for both teams in the battle for Europa League spot. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be an exciting one. That's probably the the game I'll be most keen to tune into this coming weekend, um, with the exception of maybe a game that comes on Thursday evening when Atalanta travels to Dortmund. Guys, Atalanta will travel to the Westfalen <laughs> Stadion, and it's only 900 kilometers to get there. To get to Crotone at the weekend, they traveled 1,200 kilometers and they brought a few hundred fans. I was amazed to see that game, which is one of the worst games I've seen all season. And I'm going to include League of Ireland matches in that as well because it was really poor, but neither team could really be blamed. We're not going to talk about it anyway. Um, guys, you two, Vito and Nick, do chance your arm at that competition because the questions aren't that difficult which is why I'm <laughs> completely embarrassed by my score. But and I'm everyone playing. everyone listening, I'll back Vito for that. go do that. And yeah, Vito's okay. knowledge is ridiculous. Yeah. Everyone listening, go do that. There are some great prizes, prints, T-shirts, some really gorgeous stuff. If you're a Napoli fan, you'll enjoy it. And if you support anyone in Serie A, or any of the big clubs, you will very much enjoy it. You know what we should do? Go you on. You know those... Those game shows where, like, you um, they have like an expert, and then like people come in and they have to compete against them. Vito can be like our guy, and then they got to try and outdo Vito. Like, no one will beat him. <laughs> do you know, <laughs> I, if we put a, if we could do it in teams, and our team was Vito, Luca, and Padre Guilherme. Between them, I don't think there's anything to have ever happened in Italian football that they don't know about. Because Luca just comes out with the most random things. Padraig's memory, like, is insane. Anything that's happened in his lifetime, he knows. And I put Vito in that category as well. Vito's ridiculous. Uh, right, Vito. Let the listeners know where they can find your ridiculous um, <laughs> pool of knowledge on Twitter and all the other social uh, media. Well, Instagram and Twitter, the handle is... At Vito C. Doria, and then there's my Facebook page just says Vito Doria. So have a look at my work. Nice and easy. Nick, do the same. You can find me Twitter, Nick Z. Carroll, and on Facebook. And to Philip, I do like the 4231 as well, but if I'm playing FIFA, don't mind the 352. Boom. Someone says they play a 7 <laughs> which is a disgrace. Well, you you shouldn't be allowed to play football. <laughs> you know what? His formation actually suits his um, <laughs> way here. <laughs> it completely so, does. So. Oh, my God. Uh, sorry, Sam Fox. Uh, you're hilarious. Yeah, I like you. We Come should have him on week. Guys, Just thanks as ever for keeping us entertained in the comments. Do come back next Sunday evening, half 10 UK time, half 11 European time. If you're anywhere else in the world, work it out yourself, as Nick learned this week. Uh, yeah, right. There's nothing else for me to say other than chat for now. 
Ciao. Ciao. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 